it's time to go behind the curtain of the director role and have honest discussions with leaders in the campus recreation industry. In this episode, host Grady Sheffield, the Director of Campus Recreation at Towson University and the Senior Advisor to the Campus Rec Mastermind Groups, gives you, the listener, real and authentic conversation between himself and special guest, Jen Gudas, the Senior Associate Director of Athletics and the Director of Physical Education and Recreation at Cornell University. Growing up on the West Coast, Gudas learned much from her experiences there, becoming a jack-of-all-trades. Moving east, she began her work at Cornell and hasn't looked back since. Buddha shares on the physical education and recreation programs at Cornell and all that they offer. In terms of leadership, over the years she's learned to not only lead from a place of compassion, but also what makes her a successful leader. She wears many hats, but the most surprising one deals with a sorority. You'll have to listen to find out. Plus, Buddha shares what her biggest challenge is right now how she deals with her own mental well-being, and whether or not she's a rebel. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Director Download. I'm your host, Grady Sheffield, a director at Towson University. And today I'm joined by Jen Gudaz. Hey, Jen. Hey, Grady. How's it going? I'm good. So, Jen, you currently serve as the Senior Associate Director of Athletics and the Director of Physical Education and Recreation at Cornell University, correct? Correct. <laughs> That's a mouthful. That's a big title. How's that fit on your name tag? Um, I'm actually kind of an anti-name tag person because <laughs> then somebody wants to complain about you, they know your actual name. And so a lot of times I'll wear my old name tag if I'm wearing something out in public or we'll all switch name tags so that no one really knows who their name is, but they'll still be complaining about somebody in the department. Of course. That's awesome though. I like that. All right. So um, some of our listeners may not know who you are. I know you. I know the legend of Jen Gudas. We've known each other for a long time. We're probably the same age, around the same age. So we came up um, together in terms of being young professionals, and now we've made it as a director. But tell us a little bit about your background. So you're from West Coast, right? I am. Um, I grew up south of Seattle and uh, spent my college years at Washington State. It's uh, always interesting when you go home and tell your parents you're going to be a rec major, but you already go to a um, party school, for lack of better terms, in the late 90s. And so my parents were always concerned, what are you actually going to do with your life as a rec major? And I think I've done a good job of proving them wrong. Here you are. So did you go there knowing you wanted to be a rec major or did that just happened during your freshman year or when did it happen? So I went there actually, um, I started as political science and then I I didn't really know what I wanted to do with that. I think I became elementary education because I thought that was kind of what everyone did. And I ended up meeting some people who were in the academic rec department and I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. And that's kind of what I like to do I'd say our classes were more like hotel classes minus the food and beverage part, but, you know, planning events, activities, different things like that, that were things I like to do and and not a lot of math required. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'm assuming you worked at the rec center when you were an undergrad. So we didn't have the rec center when I was an undergrad. Um, I worked in what we... We had this gym 
that was probably like 3000 square feet. And I worked there. It was interesting then because it, it was a very high profile job and hard to get. You had to take an anatomy quiz and you had to answer a bunch of these questions. Yeah. You had to and, name all the muscles, identify yeah. them all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Good old days. Now we have such a hard time finding student staff. Back then, people were lining up to work there. Yeah, begging for it. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, so um, you graduated, and then that's when your campus rec career started to go in terms of grad school. Where did you go to grad school? Um, I ended up at what's now called College of Brockport. Back then, we called it SUNY Brockport, State University of New York. Um, so how the heck did you leave the West Coast and go all the way to New York? So... When I, my undergrad department actually closed when I graduated. So we were the last graduating class of rec majors and the chair of my academic department became the chair at Brockport. So my options that I was looking at for grad school were Arizona State and Brockport, completely different. So what thought, when was this? 91? Um, so it was, it was actually 2000 because I started grad school at University of Idaho. I could do a, um, we did tuition share between Washington State and the University of Idaho. So in my final year, I worked a variety of jobs at in Pullman, but then also took classes at University of Idaho at night. Okay. Okay. So then, early 2000. Yeah. So then in two, 2000, it was well known that it was time for me to find a program that I was going to be more serious about. Well known. <laughs> well, my parents just said, you're not getting a lot done. And yeah. I was getting comfortable in Pullman, working at local places. And um, I kind of had to make the choice. Was I going to stay in Pullman or was I going to move on with life? So you packed up and headed east to Brockport. What did you do there? So with no experience. I became an intramural and club sport graduate assistant. What? <laughs> and never. Uh, you know, I played intramurals as an undergrad. Right. I knew how to sign up for them, but that was about it. Didn't know how to officiate and didn't play any club sports, didn't know anything about it. But so how'd that needed, go? They needed a club sport intramural GA. <laughs> so you stepped I, up. <laughs> I will tell you, I owe a lot to Matt Levy. So Matt, if you're listening, thank you, because he ran intramurals really as an undergrad. He was my main supervisor and I did more of the club sport stuff and learned the club stuff, which I think in the early 2000s was a lot easier to learn than officiating. But I had great student coordinators who really stepped up with the intramural piece and taught me a lot. So sum up that experience of what you learned and what you did in one sentence. As an intramural sport club GA with no experience, what, what was it? What's it about? What was it? Describe it in one sentence. Uh, getting to know the students and helping them in the way they needed to be helped, really. Yeah. So looking back, was it easy for you? No, it was definitely challenging because I didn't have a lot of support from the outside. So my students were awesome. Mm -hmm. But as far as actually learning and growing, 
I wasn't your typical GA thrown in knowing what to do. And so I only spent a year in that position before I decided it was better for me to go, go on my way and do other things instead for my second year of my um, graduate work. What was that? Uh, so my second year, I was an interim director of a local Y program center and ran before and after school programs. I taught group fitness in for the rec center and I taught at another, at a Y I taught for them as well and ran a learn to swim program. Okay. So at this point, you've done just about everything there is to do in rec in two years. After undergrad, fitness, inter, then, then grad, intramurals and club, and then group fitness, aquatics, right? Didn't you say aquatics? Yep. Did, I, you didn't say outdoor, right? Well, outdoor actually is part of that because I spent my summers at a camp in North Carolina and I ran, I started out running their waterfront and by my second year was running all the programs. So we do everything from hiking, biking, whitewater rafting to um, arts and crafts, archery, riflery. So I had that in the summer and then, yeah, the rest of it during the school year. So, I mean, literally you were a jack of all trades at that point. So after grad school, you go back out West, you go home, right? I did. To Western Washington? Right. In Bellingham. Um, what did you do there? I started out as the aquatics coordinator. I actually, at this time, you know, we didn't know a lot about Zoom or stuff that you could interview the way you and I are talking. Yeah. And so I had done this interview when I was in North Carolina and they said, we need an aquatics coordinator. And I had no clue they were building a new rec facility or what I was walking into, but I needed a job. So I took the job at Western and fortunately when I got there, it was really cool because we were opening a brand new state-of-the-art recreation facility. And it was exciting to be able to work with that team and start from the ground up on making policies and programs and, and learning everything. That was really my first experience in a traditional rec center. How big was that school or is that school? Um, it's about 7,000. Okay. So it's is it not private. It's not private, it's, is it? It's a state school. Okay. So um, you got the job as the aquatics coordinator. How long were you there? So I was there for three years. In my first basically six months, our director came to us and said, we don't have any money. So we're going to need everybody to work on how we can create more income. And so that actually kind of led to other endeavors within the rec center, uh, which made it exciting because I got to learn more new things and work more with my colleagues. I actually started a lacrosse summer camp that summer. And keep in mind, West Coasters at this point didn't know a lot about lacrosse. No idea. Right. No. Right. Early 2000s, right? Right. Yeah. Huh. So uh, you left there. And you were, I think you said this, or maybe not, aquatic youth program and climbing wall coordinator, right? Yeah. As people left jobs there, I would pick up their jobs and do them um, until. Why? My biggest thing has always been how to make myself most marketable. 
And what can I do to learn every aspect of rec that we've got? Mm -hmm. And at that time, I think you never knew you and I were really fortunate because when we came out of college, rec centers were being built. There were jobs everywhere. Right. Never knew what you were going to need to be doing five years from then. So I thought, let's get all the certifications I can spend my time learning other areas because maybe I'll want to work in another area. Yeah. Smart. So you left Western Washington and you went to Cornell and you've been at Cornell for the last 17 years. Uh, what was your, was it the same position you're in now or did you start there in a different position? I started Cornell as the director, we call it the Noise Rec Center. So we have a satellite facility that was built new in, we opened in 2007, I came in 2006. And we were building a facility at that point kind of to apply more recreation on campus without building onto our major facility. So that facility has a gymnasium, a bouldering wall, fitness center, uh, lots of different lounge space, a dance studio, and a convenience store. So it was kind of like running your own little rec center. Mm -hmm. And so there's a couple, um, a a couple rec centers, if you will, across Cornell's campus, right? Facilities. Um, And then how long have you been in this position as the senior associate director of athletics and the director of physical education and recreation? I came into this job in 2015. So I'm in my eighth year. Eighth year as a director. Um, Let's, let's, let's shift gears for a second. I want to talk about your NURSA leadership. When were you president of NURSA? I've never been president. You were region one president. Region one, uh, one. a member network. Member network. Yeah. Why did you take that role on? Uh, You know, my team at Western used to laugh because I love nurses so much. I wanted to do everything involved in nurses. So in Washington, I was a state director. When I came to New York, I was the state director. I was a student state director as an undergrad and kind of wanted to take that on more to a different level. Uh, Region one's a different place. And you know this, Grady, but we're a family here. And whether you live in New York or Massachusetts or Maryland, I really, it's a different feeling the way, how much I appreciate my colleagues. And so I wanted to serve in that position to support them at a higher level outside of just our region and support what we do because I really believed in what we do in region one. Yeah. What did you learn about yourself during that service? Oh man, so much, especially because you're, you're working with NURSA uh, employee, not employees. Uh, you're working with people who have served for NURSA for years and been NURSA members for years. But then you're also working with these students who they're just getting into it. Brand new. Yeah. Brand new. And they want that leadership experience, but they're also still learning about themselves. So you're trying to balance that in between of, what can I do to help develop these students while also learning from the older leaders in the organization while also keeping true to myself and who I am and supporting region one, because that's what I was there to do. 
uh, in the first two years, the third year I was the chair of the member network. But really, you know, supporting the membership as a whole, even in that year, you learn a lot about who you are as a leader. You learn when to keep your mouth shut and when to speak up for others. How'd that go for you? (laughs) Not always well. (laughs) But you know, (laughs) that's how we grow. (laughs) And um, I think you learn who your friends are in certain ways because you know, Mike Gallagher and I were so tight and we stood against each other for region one rep. And it's always been a family for Gallagher. I, and the same thing with David Davenport. Um, when I was nurse or president to David, he's still a very great friend. And someone I reach out to frequently. So you really learn a lot from people that you're working with, mentoring with and growing with. So what advice would you give to a young professional who said they want to do what you did? Well, what advice would you give them today? As far as NURSA? Being involved in NURSA. Being involved in NURSA. Yeah, NURSA. I I think everybody needs to find the place that's right for them. So if they find a place within NURSA that they feel like they can impact the organization, then that's where they need to go with it. Um, I think it's challenging. I'm not really in as involved in nurse now as I used to be. So I don't know a lot of what's going on, but I think for the younger generation, it can be beneficial for them. Yeah, for sure. Uh, they need to find that place that's right for them. And if it's right for their career. All right, let's get back to um, your experience now. Let's talk about you as a director. What do you think makes you successful as a director or a leader? Um, I think the biggest thing is probably the fact that I care about my team and no matter what's going on, I know that work is not the most important thing in anyone's life, or I hope it's not. Uh, I think our generation, we have a harder time with that. And the younger generation now really keeps track of their, their own time. And they want to balance that work-life balance where in ours, I think we worked until the job was done. Yeah. So getting to know them, their, what they want out of life, what they want out of their career, I would say is probably one of my biggest things. Um, I'm a problem solver. I like to get things done. And I think solving their problems and being able to think outside the box when my team can't has been really helpful for me as a leader. And I'm I'm really analytical. So when I walk into a situation, I'm probably analyzing from the minute I walk in the room. And I'm always trying to figure out how I can be one step ahead or thinking five minutes ahead. And it drives my husband crazy because I do that in all parts of life. Down to when we're driving somewhere, what's the fastest way to get there? What's the most efficient way? But I also think that that helps save us a lot of time in our department and promote them in ways that they may not have thought about. Can you um, give us an, a specific example, a recent example of how you've been that way with your team? So with my team, actually, well, I'll say one example or I'm working the, on. Yeah. And problem solving, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, even just last week, we have big arguments with athletics over this one shared space, which is mostly athletic space. Um, And 
people don't work as well, I would say, with a coordinator as they do an associate director or director. So just knowing how to put the right people in the right place to ask for the places we need or to show the benefits of what our program is going to be before that no answer even comes to us. So going to the right people, sending the right people there, and also just helping people to understand why it was necessary to have the space at the time we needed it versus letting soccer practice because it's raining outside. Right. So is this something that you've learned over your tenure or have you always been like this in terms of being analytical? And I would describe it as almost a linear thinker. You may not say that, but. um... It's something that my dad, I think, has taught me growing up because that's the way he operates. And so I don't know if I inherited it or learned it from him, but I also think in the different jobs that you've had in life, you think about how can I become a better person? And then you think about how can I become a better leader once you get to that place? And so I kind of use that, you know, when we were teenagers or even young professionals, we weren't thinking that way. We, we definitely had challenges. We had other priorities. Uh, we were just trying to learn. I think we can agree that you have those years where you think you know everything at work. And then once you get old, and I'm not saying we're old. I'm getting old. <laughs> right. But there's the point where you admit, man, I don't know everything. Yeah. I, I can learn from everyone around me. And maybe my way is not the best way. Yeah. I, that's funny you say that because I just turned 47. And I think about my tenure as a director here. And I know that when I look back, I'm like, you kind of come into being a director, like you feel like you have to know it all because everyone's looking at you to have the answer. Yeah. And then, like you said, as you grow and develop, you realize, you know what? I don't need all the answers. I don't have to have all the answers and that's okay. And it's okay to be vulnerable and show that you don't have the answers. So speaking of kind of, you know, leading a team, you talked about uh, the relationships that you have. Do you think you lead from a place of compassion? Yeah, interestingly enough, I definitely do in many ways. I think when I was working on my doctorate that my program was interdisciplinary leadership and we had to write uh, reflections constantly. So I'm somebody who reflects back on a lot of things and conversations, but I know that if I'm not compassionate for the team, they're not going to be there for me to get the work done and and know, they need to know that they have that support. So if I come in and am as rough around the edges as I can be, I don't think that they're going to re- react well to situations. So understanding them and what they're going through, I think has been a big piece for me. So rough around the edges as you can be, what does that mean? <laughs> I'm pretty direct. And sometimes, uh, you know, I've had this conversation with you. Sometimes things come out of my mouth that, I'm trying to backtrack as <laughs> Sam. So it may come out and then I'm thinking, okay, that doesn't sound good. How can I reel it in or help explain what I really meant? Because what I meant is probably not exactly what I said. Yeah. How has that impacted you as a leader? I think because I can laugh at myself, it's 
not as bad as it could be, but I've definitely put myself in situations <laughs> where yeah. um, I'm backtracking and <laughs> explaining it before it gets too bad. Yes, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so you talked about your um, experience earlier, and I was going to say you've got a diverse background of experience. How has that benefited you? to the success that you've had during your tenure at Cornell? Uh, you know, I'll tell you as much, as great as it is to have the different experiences, sometimes it's not because when you're the only lifeguard left in the building and the pool needs to be covered, you're the <laughs> highest paid lifeguard probably most of the country. Yeah, um, I bet. So I think it's, it benefited me for years because Andrea Dutcher, who saw something in me and believed in me, brought me to Cornell, but I was always that person reaching for more and trying to get more experience. So um, after my time at the noise facility, I became the director of the fitness centers and uh, had that fitness experience behind me, whereas it might have been more challenging for somebody in the department to take that role over because they didn't have it. And I think just my versatility running PE is another thing from teaching a yoga class to a scuba class to beginning swimming, uh, I can step in and take over. I mean, I'm not going to teach a whole semester of many classes because I don't have time, but I can fill in when needed and also know the skills when I'm auditioning instructors to see who really knows what they're doing or not. Yeah, so you mentioned your PE program at Cornell. Um, it's huge, right? It is. How it's, big? Um, we have over 500 classes a year, and uh, it ranges from almost every activity you could imagine, from uh, meditation to handgun safety. And you're responsible for all of those classes. Right? My team and I are. Your team. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. So Programming yeah. or coordinating them. Right. Uh, in PE, I have really between outdoor and myself, there's about five people that work on PE. But between all of our classes, uh, it yeah, we coordinate all of those. And we work with instructors that are ranged from students who were developing and they're learning it's a challenge in Ithaca, New York to bring in a whitewater paddling instructor and have them know what they're doing. So uh, my COE team, Cornell Outdoor Ed, is working to develop those students in ways that they can take on the classes and they can be teaching the classes. So the Outdoor Ed portion of PE is actually a leadership development portion, whereas the other side of PE is much more of let's hire someone that they're an expert in this and let them go teach. So it's a good balance of students getting this experience and leadership development and learning a new skill and people that are already experts in what they do. So the, you, since you mentioned it, your outdoor program is one of the largest in the country as well, right? In terms of the amount of programming that you do. So you guys are putting on all these classes through PE, the outdoor program, plus you're running multiple facil fitness facilities, because fitness reports to you in that regard. And you're serving as a senior associate athletic director, right? Yep. 
at the table of that. Plus, you have one more job on campus. About <laughs> that. So my husband and I are house parents in a sorority. We live with I, I, our lowest class is probably 37 women and our highest is 56 and uh, those are my roommates in a sorority house in a sorority house right in a sorority house yep yeah that's awesome and what's that like <laughs> for me it's been great because when I was when I first got to Cornell I worked a lot with students and I think as you grow in this career you realize that at the leadership level, you're not working as face-to-face or hands-on with the students anymore. So for me, that's been my place to continue working with students and help them grow as individuals in a different way that, than we did as rec. I'm, I'm helping them solve their life problems or making sure that they're eating and sleeping, mm-hmm. being healthy. Uh, at the same time, I'm running a facility here. So it's the same thing I do on campus every day, running facilities there, but here it's the house structure instead of fitness facilities. So you're the house mom. I am the house mom. And do I have they call a lot. Mom? They do. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, my, especially the ones, so we've been doing this for 16 and a half years, and especially the ones from our probably first 10 years. But it also really is who we've become closer to or not. So even my more recent years, the ones I'm closer to do call me mom. Um, You know, I'm that first line of when something's wrong Mm -hmm. or I had a woman with a diabetic in a diabetic coma one day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm the one that's taking her to ER and sitting with her all day and learning about her and her life. And so... As someone who's never had kids, this definitely fulfills the want to ever have children. Um, but I'm still helping people develop in a way yeah. that I think is good that I didn't have to teach them how to eat and spell and everything else, but there's still development there. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, <clears throat> let's, let's go back to you being a director. Everyone, everyone says COVID to this question, so you can't. I know COVID's on your list, but what's the biggest challenge, your biggest challenge as a director right now? I think, well, I know my biggest challenge is the fact that rec's not a priority at Cornell. Students say they need this or they need that, that we can provide them. Or another one I like is when other rec professionals say to me, but recreation facilities attract students to institutions. Cornell doesn't need a rec facility to attract better students. They're already receiving applications from the top of the top. So it's challenging. I have a new athletic director who's fantastic and really sees what we do and wants to make us more of a priority than what we've been in the past, which is great. Uh, But it's really hard when your team feels let down that other people are getting more funding or new facilities or other things on campus. And we're kind of sitting in a place where we've always been. So how do you, how do you keep your team motivated? Well, we're a family. And I think that that's a big piece to it. This is the first place I've ever worked where everybody gets along and we care about each other. 
So even if we disagree with something at work, which is going to happen, once we leave the office, that friendship's not gone or you're not judging somebody. And so I think that atmosphere and the flexibility of our jobs is a big piece of what keeps them motivated. You know, they're developing students. We have 200 student staff just in our fitness centers alone. So the rewards that you get from those students talking about what the staff means to them or what they've learned from the team, I think is a piece of it. The leadership development, you know, we all agree no one got in this field for the money. We're in it because of what we do. And that I think is the bigger piece with my team is that that's the satisfaction they need. And in the frustrating times, all we can do is talk about what we're going to do to get to the next level and to show our importance on campus. Yeah, that's right. And the money's a lot better now than it was when we first got in, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's go back to that, though. How do you manage your well-being dealing with those frustrations or stressors or the challenges? I think as Gen X, we're very fortunate for the way we were raised. Survivalist. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if it's that we didn't have the time to dwell on things or I don't know. I don't know why we are the way we were, the way we are. But you know that it's going to be better. You know that there's going to be the other side of things. And I travel a lot, too. Mm, yes, you do. You don't follow... <laughs> Jen's Instagram, you should, because she is always at cool and exciting places. So I want to go back to the question I asked you before. Um, what would you tell GA Jen, you, about what it's like to be behind the curtain as a director? Right. So the GA, you as a GA had this idea of what you thought a director did or how they acted. But now that you've experienced it, what would you tell her? What's it really like? Uh, all of those meetings that seem really important that you kept thinking as a GA, what's going on in that room? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing <is going> on. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, it's actually, there are many days where I do wish I was still a lifeguard because everything that comes together with being a director is not as easy as you imagine it because you think that you're working your way up to it and you're going to be prepared you're not prepared and that's okay because you're going to learn as you go, but you need to have that open mind of learning and that you don't know everything and really reach out to others. Look around on your campus and think who can help me get to the next level? Who can teach me things? Who am I going to have as a confidant on campus and who can I work with to really grow myself especially if you're going to stay at an institution because there are people I became friends with at Cornell 17 years ago that I'm still close friends with. Yeah. Yeah. When I was um, getting ready for this session and just thinking about what I know of you um, as friends and as professionals working together, the thought came to mind that I'm going to ask you this question. Hopefully you won't get offended by it. or Maybe you have thought about it, but are you a rebel? First of all, it takes a lot to offend me. Um, I wouldn't say that I'm a rebel. I would say I do seek for forgiveness. So I my job is to get things done and I try and get things done. And sometimes you 
need to go about things the way you need to to get it done. Now, don't take that as I'm doing anything illegal, but yeah. sometimes it's better to do something and ask for forgiveness later. How do you how do you think that approach um, impacts you as a leader or the opinion of you as a leader? Uh, or does it? Or does it? I I'm really good with words when I'm thinking about them. So I think sometimes I can talk myself out of situations that others might not be able to. So, you know, I think people are definitely offended by me at times and I don't mean to offend anyone. Uh, My mother raised me with a lot of self-confidence. And so I think that that also is off-putting to people, but uh, if you work for me or if you know me well, you know that I probably care about you more than you, an average person would think just from my outside persona. Yeah. And for you and the listeners, I didn't ask that question for you to defend yourself in that way. It's just because that's how my interactions with you, that's how I know you. And I, when I was thinking, I was like, you know, she's kind of a rebel. And I wonder if she feels that way too. But I like the way that you put it for yourself. Um would you do anything different knowing what you know now? No, I have no regrets. Um, I had a really tough time when I left Brockport and had to go back to Washington because I wanted to stay East and I wanted to work in region one and I didn't get a job, but I think about my life and I wouldn't have my husband. I wouldn't be where I am if I'd done that. So um, as many challenging days as there were and Moving back across country several times was fun and it was terrifying, but at the same time, I wouldn't change a thing because I am who I am today because of that. And I also feel like I've impacted people because of it. Yeah, I think you have too. So what's next? What's next for you? Retirement. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. (laughs) How far away? I'm really content at Cornell. I love my job. I love my team. I really like the support I'm getting from my new supervisor. And I think we're in a great place to move Cornell to the next steps with Rec. So that's exciting for me and kind of where I'm focusing. I'm always trying to better myself. So I'm always thinking about what can I do to make myself a better leader or a better person or have more skills Uh, But most of the things next for me are probably more on a personal level or what I'm going to do in retirement versus a different job than what I have. Yeah. Well, I wish you well in that endeavor whenever that day comes. I know we're a lot closer to it than we were yesterday. (laughs) Right. Um, Right. And Jen, I think you I think you've been awesome, an awesome professional, an awesome friend, awesome colleague to a lot of people. So um, appreciate you being on the podcast with us today and I'll see you soon somewhere down the road, right? Yeah. Thank you, Grady. And thank you for all your support throughout the years too. I mean, it's been really great getting to know you and my other region one colleagues. So yeah, absolutely. About each other. Yes. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us on the download and um, come back and see us for our next episode.